Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the South Florida Tribune Broadcasting Network. My name is Scott Morganroth, and we are here with Motormouth and Wild Bill Winters. And, well, welcome back to uh, work here, buddy. We have a good show lined up, don't we? Yes, sir. Good evening, Scott. All right, so let's get to it, okay? You know, I know we're going to talk about the Houston Astros against the Washington Nationals. Some thoughts about that? Well, uh, we talked a little bit on the last show that uh, Cole is not invincible, and uh, he got touched for five runs uh, the other night. They hit him pretty hard. Uh, so we got a heck of a series going on between the Nats and the uh, uh, Astros. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, you know, obviously nobody expected the Washington Nationals to get to this particular point. But meanwhile, they're three game, three wins away from the first championship in franchise history, dating back to when they were the Montreal Expos. Are you uh, obviously you're rooting for Houston, but are you surprised to see Washington get this far? Uh, no, uh, they have uh, really, really good pitching. I think the Astros have the best pitching in Major League Baseball, and they're hot. And they've been as good a team in baseball since May nineteenth. Yeah, they really have, and I think that they've played with a chip on their shoulder knowing that Bryce Harper decided to bolt for Philadelphia, and uh, it's amazing that they were able to get to the World Series without Bryce Harper, but it just goes to show you that I personally think Bryce Harper's overrated. I really do, and, you know, you need 25 guys to make a team, and Bryce Harper's got to be wondering, I could be very well be playing right now. But meanwhile, he's playing for an 81 and 81 team that's looking for a manager. Yeah, I think Juan Soto's made them forget all about Bryce Harper. What's made Bryce Harper expendable, wasn't it? Yes. So uh, let's stay to the Houston theme before we go on to some other subjects, Bill. I know that you're anxious to talk about the female reporter going off on. Uh, Roberto uh, Osuna. Tell me how that uh, played out. Well, I just think it's kind of funny um, that we have to politicize uh, a World Series game. Obviously, there's a little bit of a history between those two. I believe she sent a couple of tweets uh, uh, over the uh, during the course of the season, if I'm able to read between the lines. And then, uh, you know, he was kind of went over the line and, you know, yelling in the locker room, uh, you know, glad we blankety blank have Asuna. And while she's wearing a bracelet, the next thing you know, they're misinterpreting it, so the Astros say. So nobody knows the rule for sure. It's one of those gray areas. But I just think that it was a bad taste on both sides. Uh, Sports Illustrated making, uh, writing an article about it, and then the Astros are coming out with some comments about it. And this is what we talk about in our show, that uh, this stuff that just needs to be left alone and stop politicizing things. Yeah, Bill, it seems like we're seeing that all too much in the world of sports, aren't we? So why don't you elaborate on your thoughts about what this world has become versus uh, what it was when you were uh, playing professionally? Well, I can say that, you know, I, I, when I come home to relax, uh, all I do is, uh, you know, I watch these TV shows and it just seems like everyone has their own agenda and we're not, you know, people aren't reporting the news anymore. They've always got some other agenda while they're trying to do the, the news or whether it's sports or the news. You know, and you see drop-down menus. It seems like everyone is uh, now getting a, a arrested for sexual assault. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya the other night. Uh, you know, and it's just, uh, I think that uh, 
Yeah, we're seeing that all too much, aren't we? I think when you talk about uh, all the things that are outside the lines, so to speak, I hate it when things outside the lines overshadow what's inside the lines, Bill. It's the world we live in right now, but I think it's a phase. You know, we, I talked on our last show about the pendulum, and then the pendulum goes back and forth. And uh, on the right side is democratic ideas of social justice and, you know, women's rights and men's rights and, you know, LBTG, you know, and all that stuff. And on the other side of the pendulum is a- economics and, uh, you know, that, that pendulum has to stay in the middle. And sometimes, I, you know, think right now we're so far to the left with some of these uh, issues that, you know, you know, you would think that we lived in a racist country where everyone is uh, got an agenda and we're politicizing everything. And I just think that uh, over time that'll sort of self-regulate itself and move back to the middle because I'll be honest with you, the most of America is just getting sick of it. Uh, you know, it's just you can't relax and, and watch an event without somebody trying to say something politically, all right, uh, you know, in sports. And it's just, there's a time and a place for it. And right now, I just think that this also has to do with economics. When you start paying the players a lot of money, uh, you know, they start, you know, tweeting things like Maury with the Astros. Uh, then you got an entire country getting pissed off, you know, at us because we don't understand their way of life, yet we're willing to do finances with it. Uh, you know, so we got to address that issue. And then we have sports figures speaking out. Uh, who, you know, sometimes I think that they're better off being quiet about it. Uh, so it doesn't matter whether it's a general manager setting a tweet or, uh, or an NBA player, uh, you know, saying something or, you know, people getting on Facebook and, you know, getting upset about things 200 years ago. You know, and I, I just, it, it's a lot of talk. And it's a lot of minutia. And quite frankly, I don't think it belongs in the game. It's kind of wearing out the American public a little bit. And I just think the pendulum will swing back to the middle because if viewers start turning off their TV sets, that costs people money. And that's when we'll make the adjustment. Yeah, it's amazing how you say that too, Bill, because the NBA, I think, is probably more guilty of it than a lot of them. And I'll bring a few uh, coaches or ex-coaches that come to mind. First of all, at the top of the forefront, Steve Kerr, and Donald Trump have definitely shown that they don't really particularly like each other. Greg Popovich doesn't quite like the president either. And a guy that I really couldn't stand at all was Stan Van Gundy, formerly of the Detroit Pistons. And when you have these guys talking about politics versus coaching their teams, now I will give Kerr and Popovich credit. At least they have championships behind them, whereas Stan Van Gundy doesn't. So why do these guys continue to draw attention to themselves instead of focusing on what they have to do continuously on the basketball court? I think it's a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, number one, you're coaching these young men, so you want to, you know, make it sound like you're with them or be with them. And, you know, I, I think that uh, even, you know, I agree a lot with what the players have to say, but I just think there's a time and a place to say it. And uh, I just think sometimes that, uh, you know, some of these tweets and, you know, some of the things that they do is just let her off, you know, just don't talk about it, be about it, lead by example. You don't have to constantly, you know, giving your opinion on something. It's getting to turn into like kind of a soap opera. Right. doesn't matter whether, whether it is. I mean, I'm sitting here watching the show tonight and they're talking about KD and they're asking him questions about, you know, who's the better shooter. 
Beard or Westbrook or uh, uh, Curry. You know, and you know, some of this stuff is just uh, designed to, uh, you know, rabble rouse and get people upset. You know, and they're kind of loaded questions, and then you got people tweeting on top of that. It just gets to the point where, you know, hey, look, enough already, okay? We get it. All right, you know, let's just get back to the middle of the road here, and let's talk about the sports and the efforts, uh, you know, and maybe talking about some of the guys. Like, I was watching the Raptors game last night. They were, you know, introducing the players. And I didn't know three-quarters of the squad. You know, it'd be nice to hear about those guys. You know, they're, 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 you know, they're on the team, and uh, quite frankly, nobody talks about them. And yet we're spending our time talking about this kind of stuff. I just think that, you know, maybe we ought to take a look at how we, you know, broadcast and talk about issues and maybe do a little bit more about sports rather than politicizing everything. Yeah, Kevin Durant's a guy, to me, here's a guy that's not even going to be playing basketball here all year because of his injury, but yet his uh, – jo- his jaw is act- as active as his sharpshooting skills, and I'm really si- there's certain athletes you just develop a dislike for as time goes on, and I think Kevin Durant to me is starting to uh, raise to one of my dislike lists. I'm really getting fed up with the guy. Once he leaves Oklahoma City on bad terms, and then of course he leaves Golden State on bad terms, and taking shots after every organization that, by the way, paid him millions of dollars. Okay. And now he's with Brooklyn uh, with the Nets, and he can't keep his mouth shut, you know. And I'm sure there's a lot of other athletes that are getting on my nerves, but he's a flavor of the day so far, unless you come up with a better one. Well, you know, I was watching Magic Johnson tonight on ESPN, and, you know, I love Michael Wilbon. He's old school like myself. Right. You know, he's probably worse than I would when it comes to some of the stuff that he talks about and his attitude towards it. And, uh, you know, Magic made a good point. Uh, The young man's now got his money. So now he can relax and play basketball. And, you know, I have to laugh because some of these guys, you know, they're instant millionaires the minute they, uh, they, they you know, they get out of college. You know, and I take a look at the kid from, uh, which we'll talk a little bit, you know, a little while uh, from New Orleans. Right. This kid doesn't even step foot a basketball court and play a regular season game. And the media hype is so much that you have to be worried about whether or not a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid can handle that kind of stuff. Right. You know, you watch what happened to Menzel as well. And then you sit there and you watch uh, this. I was watching a thing today about how KD and Draymond Green were upset. Okay, uh, they're interviewing uh, Wojo, who's the NBA, uh, who knows a lot of bit about the NBA, and they were worried about whether KD left the Golden State because of Draymond getting upset about the fact that he didn't get the last shot in the ball game you know, two years ago or whatever, and you just get to the point where enough already. This is turning into a soap. This is stuff people don't need to, to know about. This is stuff that stays inside the locker room, okay? And, and, and I think they've crossed the line. And you just get to a point where, you know, you just have to stand up and say enough already. Let's move this pencil back to the middle and maybe look at presenting the sport in a different way. Let's stay in the sport for a moment, and I'll go back to some of my thoughts about what you're saying, but since we're on the hardwood, Let's talk about the L.A. Clippers, a team that you're very high on. I think they're going to win the NBA title. Uh, they just flat kicked the Lakers' ass last night. I'm a big Laker fan. Okay, and I'm watching uh, a game right now between the Celtics and the Sixers. And you know what I'm seeing? Small ball versus big ball. All right, and uh, I can tell you that uh, LeBron, uh, you know, yeah, this, this is, you know it's, it's kind of short to say, but I trust my instincts and the eyeball test. Uh, the 
club. Uh, they have everybody on that team can score. Uh, Lou Williams and those guys, when they went small, just pulverized the Lakers. Uh, LeBron is uh, not a pure shooter. Uh, he never has been, but he just beats people with his athleticism. But he's 35 years of age. Uh, he's getting up there in age. Uh, you know, they tried to post him to uh, Davis all night long. Uh, it looks sluggish. Uh, but, you know, they'll figure it out. And I'm sure that once, uh, you know, Rajon comes back, they'll have a, a guard that can distribute it. But quite frankly, uh, you know, you can kind of see down the line. I just think the Clippers are the class of the West. Uh, I think the bookies in Las Vegas got it right. Uh, and they've got a tremendous defensive club. Uh, and they have uh, really, really good depth, and everybody can put the ball in the basket. They kind of reminded me of a bunch of water bugs that could shoot the basketball. And it was fun to watch, and they made believers out of me last night. And I just think of the, it's like the 180 from, you know, the days when the Clippers were the, the, the worst, the doormat of the league, and they had an owner that was just a real uh, non-committed guy to winning. Uh, and now they've got a, a guy in there who's a techie that's dropping all this money, and he spent the money right the right way. And it's going to be fun to watch the Clippers, but uh, they're the class of the West, and that's just my opinion of it, and I'm not going to back off of it. And they're only going to get better because Paul George wasn't even in the lineup. All right, so let's talk about the Clippers for a moment, and I'm glad that for a lot of the NBA players that I can't stomach, I'll tell you one guy that I'm really that's wearing on me in a good way is Kawhi Leonard. Here's a guy that led the San Antonio Spurs to a world championship. The only reason he left there is because he felt that the organization mishandled his medical situation. But the Toronto Raptors, knowing that they probably – we're going to lose him after one year, decided to gamble and grab him anyways. He wins a championship in Canada, and he I think he should have his number retired after one year and a statue outside of Toronto, believe it or not, because he led them to a world championship to begin with. I mean, uh, and we can get into the conversation down the road, or if not right now, about when you have a jersey retired or a statue. But Toronto is known for being a hockey town, but yet they win a championship with Kawhi Leonard. And just think, if this guy gets the Clippers to the finals, let alone wins it, he has a chance to win a championship in three places, two with no tradition. That, to me, is unbelievable. And I'm more and more impressed with Kawhi Leonard. And he willed the Toronto Raptors to a world championship uh, last year, beating the heavily favored Milwaukee Bucks. This guy, to me, could play in any era, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of Michael Jordan, and I'm not, and I'm sure Michael would say the same thing. And I watched Michael interview the other night uh, on television, and, and Michael's, you know, a really, really tough evaluator. Uh, he's going to want to see a body of work, but he's already got one championship. Uh, he was very efficient yeah, last night. Uh, at 30 points, uh, shot over 50 percent, had a number of rebounds and a lot of assists, but a good, solid game, distributed the ball really, really well. Uh, and they had a really good team last year uh, with 48 wins. And when you pick up Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they've got a really, really good team. But I think he's now the face of the NBA. Uh, he's 28 years old, 28 years of age. Uh, you know, and uh, I know I think a lot of the experts feel the same way. So that's not a reason we think that Kawhi Leonard right now is the face of the NBA. I think he's uh, going to win another, you know, a championship or two. And I love him because he never he has to say a word. Yeah, uh, you know, he just leads by example, and I wish more of the guys would really be like that because some of this nonsense is just ridiculous. And uh, you know, uh, and, and people really like him because 
uh, of the fact that he plays and he's very, very efficient, a team player, plays great defense. As you know, now his offense is cut up with his defense, but he he's just got that leg power. You know, he snaps that mid-sized jumper; it just goes in like Michael used to, and it just reminded me, uh, you know, that of MJ when he played, and it was a pleasure to watch him play last night. And I'm a big fan of his, and uh, he's you know, there's just nothing you can say. His game does all his talking for him. Well, you said a mouthful, Bill. I mean, he does lead by example without a doubt, and that's what I really like about him. And when you look at a lot of the other players, all right, let's go to another interesting player in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks. Here's a guy that's content playing in that market. I know that he has this year and then another year before he hits free agency. And I know that he can elevate that franchise and wants to stay there. But what are your thoughts about Giannis Antetokounmpo? Well, already, uh, you know, uh, there, was, uh, there was a report from the Harvard Business Magazine or some periodical where they're talking about how if Milwaukee doesn't uh, win an NBA championship in the next year or two, that the Greek freak is going to be forced to move. And it's just straight economics. And I don't disagree with that. But, you know, every time we talk about sports, all we're talking about is money or social issues. Right. And you get to the point where you're going, you know, look, let's, let's talk about other things, more like Hubie Brown. You know what I mean? Let's talk about the X's and O's, if, if there is such a thing in basketball. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, let's talk about, you know, what the player is doing, you know, in, 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 in good things. For his we don't need to listen to all this business stuff. Right. We don't need to listen to all this social issues. People watch sports to get away from all of that. Right. That's my personal opinion. And I come from a generation where we played with a gun to our head. Okay, we weren't in a situation where we could have the luxury of sitting back with a couple of mil in the bank and then run our mouths. And this is why I say the inmates are running asylum from time to time. Uh, you know, we got kids that are great college players that may not even be healthy enough to play in the NBA and they're set for life. That's so true. it's entertainment now, it's not sports. And we need to put that pendulum back to the middle a little bit. And as we play out, I think the younger generation, when we have some of the stories that we're going to talk about and some of the guests that we're going to have on this show, right. you're going to get a you know you're going to get a dose of reality here, all right? Uh, about what some of these guys have done to build this league into what it is. I'm happy for any player that can get what he can get, but I think that we've crossed the line with people running their mouths and talking about things because they're financially set, and maybe if they weren't financially set, they keep their mouth shut. Okay, and, and play ball a little bit more and make the game a little bit more fun for people to watch so they can escape their everyday, uh, you know, issues and those types of things. Uh, and so I just hope, you know, hope that that's the way it goes. And I'm looking forward to the challenge because I think our show is going to present some of the stuff that's going to make people think twice before they start to, you know, just sit there and go listen to all this politicizing. They'll just turn the volume off like I do. No question about it. Well, all right, let's go back to one of the things that you were referring to. And if the person that you were talking about is a guy by the name of Zion Williamson who had a lucrative shoe deal, and now he's not going to be playing for at least six to eight weeks. And you talked about him being overweight, not in playing shape, and let alone the fact you go from a 35-game schedule to like 80-some, although he won't play in even probably 60 at the rate we're going. But I think he personifies, Bill, what you were talking about, doesn't he? I'm going to go on record and say that he's not going to do squat in the NBA. That's okay. He's going to come and go. Uh, he's too big, 
Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I noticed that right away. Uh, you know, when he was playing at Duke, he got hurt. They were talking about the sneaker and all this other stuff. And what that is, right. is that's the big money using the media to put himself in a position because we're not talking about a basketball player. We're talking about a city and a franchise and big, big dollars and endorsements and all this stuff. You know, I have a real issue with a, a football player making $100 million. Okay, and, and, and you know what all that is? It's marketing. We have a player out here uh, with the Houston uh, uh, Texans, J.J. Watt. Love him to death. Right. He's a lot of money. But, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm so sick and tired of watching him on commercials. Uh, you know, and, and that's why they're paying him $100 million. It's a defensive end. Right. You know, and I just, you know, so that's how far we've redlined. And, you know, and I'm happy for any player you can get. But we also understand that this is business, this is marketing, it's entertainment, it's not sports. All right. Uh, and the same thing is going on with Williamson. I mean, the kid is a 19-year-old guy. All right. And, uh, you know, and he's, he got hurt at Duke last year. Uh, he's too big. I, I think uh, one of the NBA experts, a guy you know, who's on ESPN, was talking. He felt the same way I did. The guy needs to lose 30 to 40 pounds. Uh, the way he plays, it's going to be too much stress on his joints. Right. We've gone through this with Bill Walton. We've gone through it with Sam Bowie. Right. Okay, and quite frankly, you know, he gets tiring watching these guys flip back and on the roster, back on the roster. The guy's going in for knee surgery. Right. I mean, you honestly think that this guy's going to be ready during the course of a season to play ball? No. So, you know, and we got all this hype, all this hype, all this hype. The guy hasn't done squat. Right. Why don't we talk about some of the guys on the other on the rosters that have worked their way up to deserve the publicity? They've been playing in the league for three or four years. I'm sure there's some great stories, but we don't pay attention to that. Why? There's no money involved in it. Right. Good point. Well, you know, believe it or not, Bill, one of the sports I love to cover, and I always plan to do it, is I love the National Hockey League. I really do. I mean, you know, being from an original six market like Detroit, you know, we're used to all the physicality, the fighting, and that these guys go through an awful lot punishment-wise. They probably make less money than any of the other major sports. And yet, and now, in whether it was physical back in the day versus what it is now, I've always thought that the hockey players are some of the toughest athletes out there. Well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I'm kind of watching what I think it's Fox is doing right now, and they're bringing back the WWF, and they're also going to be televising a hockey game. And I just think uh, hockey has, you know, it's kind of lost its exposure the last couple of years. And I think if they start televising the games like they used to, uh, you know, and like ESPN used to do, uh, and that people will watch it. Uh, I remember a couple, several years ago, hockey had hit it big for a long, long time. It was fun to watch. And all of a sudden, it just kind of disappeared on the networks, on the major networks. And I don't understand why, uh, but I think, just think you need to be consistent and maybe promote it a little bit like an NHL game of the week or something and let people get exposed to some of these franchises. Well, uh, NBC... You know, out of sight, out of mind. NBC, I think, does a really good job. The only problem you have in Houston, unfortunately, Bill, is you don't have a NHL team there. But NBC has done a pretty good job with the NBC Sports Network along with the NBC Game of the Week. Uh, unfortunately, you just don't have a NHL team there. But yet, ironically, a few people realize that Houston has a good pro hockey background. Back in the day when you had the WHA, uh, the Houston Arrows, and Gordie Howell actually played down there and tried to do some things, just like Wayne Gretzky opened up the L.A. market. So I would love to see the Houston market get a NHL team, but I don't think you will because I don't see hockey expanding 
uh, anytime soon uh, because they're adding Seattle as the uh, 32nd team to try to balance things out. But, you know, I love the sport. I really do. These guys work hard. So let me ask an interesting question, okay, Bill? You know, we talk about playoffs, and I'm talking about complete playoffs here, okay? Yeah, obviously, you know, the baseball playoffs are great to watch, and we and the uh, NFL, they're pretty good to watch, and the NBA drags on forever. But I've always thought of all the four major sports, the playoffs I like the most are the NHL. I really do. Overtime. Uh, no argument here. I enjoy watching them. I don't know if they're my favorite. Uh, but I enjoy watching really good hockey uh, in the playoffs for sure. I mean, you're talking games that go three to five overtimes if they have to. I mean, these guys are outright tired, man. When you get to that second, third, fourth overtime, you don't have uh, legs. You got jello for legs on blades. (laughs) And, and, And the intensity. I love the playoff beards. I mean, I love everything about the NHL. When it comes to postseason, but I love the league, anyways. I really do. Were you ever? I just think it needs a little. I just think it needs a little bit more exposure. Oh yeah. And I, and I will tell you right now, here in Texas, Texas is not a hockey town. Right. It's not a women's basketball town, and we've had really good franchises, and they just haven't drawn. Uh, I was actually talking. Uh, you know, they're having a tough time with soccer here. The Dynamo aren't drawn either. All right, so uh, you know, each each area has its own niche, but I think overall. Uh, you're exactly right. Hockey is a lot of fun to watch. I enjoy watching the playoffs. I took it kind of hard last year when the Lightning were the best team in the league and they got swept in the playoffs. Uh, you know, and it was fun to watch St. Louis uh, turn around and win the, you know, the Stanley Cup after being, you know, out of it for so many so many years. So it's got a lot of tradition. Uh, it's got a tremendous following. I just think that, you know, we need to maybe uh, televise it a little bit more so that, you know, people out here in Texas So while we're talking about the NHL, Bill, I have to ask you this. Uh, what team do you follow? Do you have one that is your favorite NHL team? Uh, <laughs> I, know, I like the Lightning uh, only because, uh, you know, I, I knew those guys when they started the franchise. They right. were in the Cow Palace and, and how far that franchise has come and what they're doing to downtown Tampa. So I'm right. a Lightning fan. Okay, well, that's fine. Plus the fact that you have some ties to the Tampa area. Back to your bandit days and all that, so that's fair. Yeah, I remember when they played over at the uh, over on the fairgrounds back in the day. Until they went over to the, uh, ironically, the Tropicana Field back then before they landed in their final place in downtown Tampa. So, and yet yeah, they I have a pretty good. Game. Yeah. Did you? I had first. Uh, yeah, I knew Esposito real well. Donnie Murdoch, I knew back uh, in the seventies when he was playing in the NHL. Uh, he introduced me to Gretzky and Messi when they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, when Edmonton won the first uh, Stanley Cup, those boys got in the plane and, and flew right down to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, and I, I met them outside of Christopher's and drank out of Stanley Cup. And uh, it was it was a blast to meet those guys uh, and got to a, you know a dose. And then I ran into uh, you know Doc, you know Don Murdoch, several years later and got to meet some of the uh, coaches Esposito and Danny Gare and legendary players. Uh, right. and the, you know Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, with these guys, and again, I got invited to practice for a while. Uh, they introduced me to the fastest man on skates, who was a guy from the Blackhawks, his name skates me right now, but this guy was unreal. Uh, he was an older veteran, and uh, it, it's a real, it, it, hockey is, a, the way the NHL does, uh, the NFL can learn a lot from them, 
uh, the players meet afterwards, uh, you know, and it, it's, it, it's a socialization, socialization process. Uh, they, the players seem to, you know, have a lot more enjoyable experience playing in the NHL. And I think sometimes the NFL ought to take a look at that business model for the players. Because I don't think the players in the NFL are having as much fun as they used to. Well, I think they all have to hide out now, and uh, there's no concept of team. It's all marketing. And, you know, I, I have to sit back. I don't mean to talk so much, Scott, but I'm really getting tired of watching these State Farm and Nationwide and commercials. I mean, yada, 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 yada. You know, it's like, enough for it. It's like brainwashing. You know, I just think it's, it's, too, it's just too loaded on certain things, and the NHL does a better job of spreading it around and making it more fun for everyone. Actually, Bill, I think you're doing really well. <laughs> I actually think you're doing better tonight than you have before, so i got to give you credit while everybody can hear it. But let me continue with the NHL theme that I really like a lot more than a lot of things. You don't hear a lot of drama there. They just simply play hockey compared to the other sports. You really don't. And I think that that's like you say, they, what they do is they let their play speak for themselves. I'm not saying that there aren't other things that are that you hear in the NHL, but, Bill, I see a lot less of them there in that league than a lot of other leagues out there. I don't know whether it's – the fact that they're the fourth uh, brother in the total poll here. They get paid less. Uh, part, they have franchise in Canada. It doesn't matter. I just love the NHL, and I think there's a lot less drama for sure, Bill. I really do. So you're right, you're right on target with everything you're saying. I'm with you, you all the way. See, you don't see players taking a knee. Right. You don't see them politicizing things. Right. Uh, those boys just go out and play. You know, and, uh, you know, you, so you get away from all the stuff that you get. You know, you don't see a lot of, you know, uh, you know, penalties and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they've kind of taken the violence out of the game a little bit, too. Uh, you know, and uh, so I think, you know, the NHL has done a good job of presenting their product. Uh, you know, I'm out here in Texas, so we really don't, you know, get as many uh, hockey games as we would, as I would like. But I'm sure that as we move forward, I think the networks are realizing that. Because I'll be honest with you, talking to a few people out there, nobody's watching anything on television anymore other than sports. And it's turning into a really, really big business. And I think it's the people that get the pulse of what people really want to watch that are going to do well in the marketplace. And I just think the NBA, uh, the NHL, uh, they got a little bit more exposure. People would really enjoy it. I think the NFL has gotten to the point now where they need to address some issues. There's just too many flags, too many ticky-tack fouls to the point where, you know, guys that have played the game are just sitting there enough already. And then the commercials, the same thing over and over and over. And the NFL, to me, has always been a dinosaur anyway. It's kind of funny that the XFL is coming in. That's going to be like a breath of fresh air. And they'll find some ballers out of that as well. Uh, and, you know, then, of course, you got the NBA. And I just love watching the NBA. The athletes are so talented and so good. But the nonsense in the offseason, the drama, and all this other stuff, you know. So hopefully that's going to shift back to the middle as well. Uh, so, you know, that's all I have to say about that. I wouldn't hold your breath about the NBA. I think that they they prey off the drama. Now, the one guy who probably can't stand it from a distance is David Stern. He was never one of those individuals that really particularly cared for drama, whereas Adam Silver doesn't even seem to care. So, but you know, I loved David Stern when he was a commissioner. He was the old hardliner that wouldn't take any, you know, what from anybody else. And but it's just a different animal. Where, you know, I don't know. I don't particularly like it. I don't go to many NBA games. The last one I actually went to was down in downtown Miami when the Pistons took on the Heat. 
and Dwayne Wade played, and I had to go down there at least once to see Wade one more time since I enjoyed many experiences watching Wade play the Pistons in the playoffs back early in the decade, but uh, I really could care less. I don't have time for Well, uh, now, Scott, uh, remember how I talk about the economics of sports? Yeah. Okay? One of the things that you have failed to mention in all of this was driving a lot of this is gambling. Right. No, that's true. The number of states that have legalized gambling. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've been gambling for 25 years, but I have it down to a science. Right. Where I don't have any stress doing it because I don't bet large sums of money, but I like to sing for my supper. Right. So instead of doing crossword puzzles or knitting, I'm going to be a senior citizen sitting with my smartphone, uh, you know, making a little money. But I'm actually watching two games right now and got some money on it and made about $70. Right. Okay, and uh, this is what the kids are going to be doing moving forward. Right. All right, uh, this, you know, we're how we used to have cable TV in the 80s and ESPN started the USFL. Right. That's how Trump made a name for himself and Flutie Jumpship and Steve Young and Jimmy Kelly. Uh-huh. Well, now we have a smartphone and a gambling app, and we also have a thing called right. Fan. And the Alliance of American Football, that league had a drop-down menu uh, that allowed a guy to be an interactive coach. All right, so here's the, the, the down and distance. The drop-down menu would give you a couple of plays. Uh, you could pick one, and if you were right, it's going to be a run or a pass. At the end of the day, you got money. So that's where we're going. The young kids today are not going to sit here and watch an NFL game that lasts three and a half hours long. It bores you to tears with all this politics going on. All right, and flags on every play. Even playing on Thursday with uniforms that look like they're from Halloween. All right, and, and the NFL looks like it's just uh, exploiting the players, which is typical of what a monopoly does. And I think that pendulum's going to swing back to the middle a little bit because the NFL's going to have to adapt to speed up the game a little bit. Uh, they're probably going to have to put a guy up in a sky cam to get some of these calls fixed right. so they don't carry entire cities hostage. I have a lot of people that I know that are from New Orleans, and I, and I have to agree with them. That call last year in the, Ram, in the Rams game was so egregious. And then when you find out that all the refs are from Los Angeles and they're trying to put a new team in Los Angeles, the American public isn't stupid. They get it. All right? And they're sitting there going, enough already. And, you know, you can say there's enough conspiracy theories going around. We have to protect the integrity of the game. And every time you throw all this technology into it and you have all these politicizing, you're getting away from the essence of the game. Right. So I think, you know, the XFL, their, their, their stance is less ball, more ball. All right, 20 seconds between plays, two-and-a-half-hour game. Uh, you know, they're trying to get the fans interacted. They don't have to spend a fortune to sit there, you know, and mortgage your house to go to a game. Right. So I think that the NFL, the NFL is always going to be the game. People love football, but they need to take a look at their product right now because they're really hurting it, which is typical of a monopoly. And I think they're kind of peaking. I think they're kind of backsliding a little bit. You know, uh, I, lo- I like Baker Mayfield and everything else, but I don't see her like watching a progressive commercial on a guy that hasn't proven anything yet other than he was great in college, and he's on television every 30 seconds between a break. Right. You know, it's just after a while. The same thing with the NBA. You know, why are we getting all this press on this young guy, Zion Williams, 19 years old, hasn't done squat? You know, and it's all about the brand and hype and all this, and that's America, but at the same time, you know, you can't make it all hype. 
to the point where the integrity starts to go down the toilet and people the younger kids are turning off the, uh, the television set because it's too long and too boring because you want to get everything right and the old people are getting agitated because it's not like it used to be and there'll be a compromise you know and that's you know that's really what we enjoy talking about on our show uh, let me go ahead and mention one gambling thing and then we have one more piece of business we're going to get to okay first of all who would have thunk okay that we'd actually be having a team in Las Vegas when gambling at one point was an issue. Now, bear with me while I tell you what I'm going to tell you. First of all, there's gambling all over the country, like you alluded to. But in Detroit, okay, you know, the Lions are playing, in retrospect, a gambling town because you got three major casinos there. So now people have acclimated to it, Bill, more so than it was many years ago when you weren't allowed to do it at all. And I'm sure that there's other... I mean, uh, areas that have gambling and NFL action as well. And we'll start to see more and more of those. But you're going to have Las Vegas next year. Detroit has the MGM Grand Circus Circus Hotel, which I believe is the Motor City Casino and one other one. So it's becoming a way of life. I mean, I never thought in a million years. It's all economics. Right. Oh, these I know. States, I don't mean that these states need the money. I think there's six, six states that have legalized gambling. My buddy was telling me uh, uh, there was one state where the guys they made so much money in the New England playoff game last year that it was, you know, it, it's almost impossible for the state not to legalize it. Right. And they were shipping phones over the state lines. Right. All uh, right, just so they could place wages. So it's here to stay. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Scott, I'm going to be a little arrogant. One of the things that our viewers are going to find out is, and you can claim it all you want. I've been ahead of the yield curve all my life, and I've had to keep my mouth shut all right, about a lot of things, from the human body and conditioning uh, to playing in three different leagues for more money, negotiating my own contracts and everything else. And I, and I, I watched this stuff shake out, and it's going to be really interesting for us to have some guests on right. that are all pros that have played in different sports that I know personally. And we can talk about this so that people start to understand there's an economic current to everything we do. But remember that pendulum isn't all about economics also. It's all about teamwork, the concept of the team. And, you know, and I think what we really got to do is we got to start getting rid of this individualism and this brand nonsense. Uh, it's really ridiculous, you know what I mean? Totally. I think we peaked a little bit with Mello. Uh, when it was Alonzo Ball, there's another guy that I'm really proud of. Right. Got away from his father. Uh, you know, his father made his money. Uh, I'm sure he's doing really well in China with the sneakers now. Uh, you know, I'm, you know that's what they try to do. He's playing in New Orleans, and you know he's away from his father now, and he can you know blossom and be a, you know and enjoy being an NBA player. And I, I just think that the younger generation is going to be resilient and they'll figure it out, move that pencil back to the middle. But they're also going to have to deal with some things that uh, uh, they're going to have to toe the line because we have things now that we never had to deal with 20 or 30 years ago called gambling. Right. Sports, you know, and sports, so the integrity of the game has to be there. All right, so, you know, we have to master the technology. We also have to master the economics of it. And we're dealing with a, a smartphone, which is making it like the 80s all over again. It's the cable TV. It's a smartphone to gambling act, so all we're doing is expanding the marketplace. But it's still the same game. So let's not get away from the essence of what made the game great. Oh, okay, well, we have one more uh, thing we're going to talk about. I know it's something that's very important to you. And that's the, uh, you're going to pay tribute to Bernie Parrish. So I'm going to kind of let you uh, uh, talk about it on your own, and uh, we'll wrap up the program with that uh, tribute uh, coming from you. Go ahead, Bill. Take it away. All right. Well, all I, I, I'm going to say this to you, and this is what I talk about ahead of the yield curve. 
Uh, we've got some problems in the NFL, okay? And uh, I'm not going to address them. We will talk it on future shows, which I actually think is uh, people are going to get shocked, all right, uh, about how they've taken the bait on how the NFL controls the media. Uh, Bernie Parrish played in the 50s and 60s. He's a legendary player from the University of Florida, played for the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Oilers and the AFL. Uh, I wrote a book called They Call It a Game. It's one of the best, I recall, if I was a professor at Princeton and I had a course, Football 101, one of the first books that I would have was you need to read this book. What it'll do is it'll allow you to read between the lines on really how the NFL was built, what's going on, and get away from all the hype so you can actually think for yourself, and when you watch a game now, you can understand the business practices. All right? Uh, and I, that's the first thing. The second thing is Bernie passed away. Uh, yesterday, and uh, 82 years of age, and Bernie uh, was a leader, and you know, there wasn't anything about him uh, uh, today, and you know, even though Willie Brown passed away, God rest his soul, you know, and I, I'm, I'm glad that he had a run, but Willie would have said the same thing, you know, you need to give Bernie uh, some depth too, because those guys worked hand in hand in making this league what it is today, but they had to fight to get everything they had. Let me give you an example. Uh, Bernie was one of the first guys to, uh, you know, get the teamsters organized so we could have, you know, get the players the money they deserve. Uh, he thinks the NFL Players Association deliberately undervalued how much money they're making. Uh, he actually won a $28 million lawsuit against our own NFL Players Association. Our NFL Players Association, literally, during Gene Upshaw's tutelage, I was in bed with uh, EA Sports and the Madden uh, video game. And what they did is they would put the, like, you have a guy like Herb Adley who plays for the Green Bay Packers. And he, they'd have all the statistics there. But what they did is they changed the likeness of Herb Adley so that Herb Adley didn't get paid any money. And that money all went to Gene Upshaw's union. It was corruption of the highest form. Yet nobody knows anything about this. When I look at these young players today, they, you know, they're in their 40s, and they've got issues with concussions and all that other stuff. And as older players that are in our 60s, we keep our mouth shut because we look at these guys as babes in the woods. Right, they're dealing with issues now, and a lot of them cry and, and get on Facebook and piss and moan and look. And they don't have, they have never read the book. They don't even know who Bernie Parrish is. They don't even know anything about their own union and the lousy job that the union's doing, taking care of the players when it comes to disability benefits. And, you know, you need to know about the history before you start running your mouth. And then maybe you'll sit back and go, I need to talk about it. I need to be about it instead of talking about it. You need to get in there. Uh, and, and, and fight to make this game better. Bernie Parrish was one of the best I've ever seen in it. He's an unsung hero. And I would ask our audience to Wikipedia him and then read some of the information through your research. Uh, and you will find that this is one of the greatest guys that ever was around. And the NFL players today ought to be kissing his ass. Uh, but he was so smart, he scared the NFL and the NFLPA, and that's why you're not hearing about him on the media, because they control the media. And people that are really intelligent and that are involved in this league understand that the media only lets you see one angle. And the angle that they want, that's usually the higher-ups are making their money and their own agendas. And I think as we get through social media that you're going to hear some other sides where people are not going to uh, you know, take 
debate so much as they are today on all the hype and start to have a higher ended you know, thought process when it comes to the game. And it's only going to make it better for all parties. And Bernie Powers to me is a hero. He actually gave me a call uh, during a time, and I, I, we will talk about some of the issues that I've had in my playing career and also uh, off the field with the NFLPA. But we're smart enough to sit there and not talk a lot about it. We're just going to talk about the, what the issues are and we're going to make it better. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, just so you know, everybody, you'll hear Bill Winters on the Tuesday Sports Exchange, and we have our own program on Wednesday night. So any uh, final thoughts, Bill? Great show. I always enjoy doing this uh uh, program here on the South Florida Tribune Broadcasting Network. So, any closing thoughts? I know you're going to go ahead and watch some sports after we get off the line. What do you got to say? Anything well, else to wrap it up? I'm ahead of you, the American public, and hopefully you're smart enough to keep up. And I'm looking forward to uh, establishing a relationship with the viewers. And I would say that, uh, first of all, uh, what I'd really like you to do is go to my website, uh, BillWinters.biz, and let me know what you think about it. So now you know who I am. Just pictures say a million words, and my body of work is right there. Uh, GoDaddy actually sent me an email saying it's one of the best uh, uh, websites they've seen. Uh, the, this, the other thing I would like you to do is subscribe to my YouTube channel, right? Because what we hope to do here is those videos. Yeah, I know I'm a fossil, and I know I've been dug up, but Trump's in there, Flutie's in there, Steve Young's in there, Jim Curley's in there, Warren Moon's in there, and these are all my contemporaries, guys I played against, and you can sit there and see how far they've developed their careers. So that'll be fun for you guys to subscribe, and then we'll put our shows on there. And I think over uh, over a period of time, they, you know, heck, who the heck knows, we may become the next Bar Tool Sports, but we're going to keep it in perspective. And we're going to keep it classy, and we're going to keep it intelligent, and we're going to keep it as a learning experience for everyone and make the game better. All right, well, it's, it's a hobby and a labor of love. So well, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Well, on that note, I want to tell our viewers. On that note, uh, this is a challenge we have bringing you the, uh, our show every Wednesday night here on the Southford Tribune Broadcasting Network. Once again, you'll hear from Bill on Tuesday night here on the Sports Exchange. So, on behalf of Wild Bill Winters and myself, Scott Morganroth, you are listening to the Motormouth of Wild Bill Winters show. Everybody, have a great night, and you'll hear us again together on Tuesday night. Good, good night, everybody. <laughs>